your wife had hangy boobs and looked terrible, would you consider plastic surgery for your wife? Absolutely, but not a thousand pounds per boob or whatever it costs. Well, you would like it, but you but wouldn't like money is no object, Steve. Well, money is no object. Money is no object. No, if we you had the money, would you, you have, have it done to your wife? No, it's, I wouldn't have it done to her. She would have it done to herself. Don't marry a woman for a boo. Don't marry a man. Don't marry her for anything. I know you don't, but if if you think that you look terrible, you have hangy boobs and you don't look very nice anymore, next thing you go on holidays to Spain, and lots of gorgeous girls walk around the beach with gorgeous big boobs, and your husband turns around and looks at all those those girls, and he never looks at you. I specialise in cosmetic surgery, uh, we would of course need to see you for a consultation before we could give you details of this sort of operation because it does vary from person to person depending upon exactly what is necessary. Well you'd come in initially to the clinic in New Bond Street where you'd see the specialist who would of course examine you, um, explain the operation to you fully, giving you full details of uh, length of time, etc., and of course the total cost, yes. Well, the cost does vary. It's very, very difficult to give details before seeing you because it does depend upon the extent of the operation, the length of time spent in the clinic, and when you come in, we prefer to give you a total cost, um, inclusive of everything, so that of course you can budget uh, for that. But uh, would you like to make an appointment? The Raymond Young Clinic in London's fashionable New Bond Street is one of the world's leading cosmetic surgery clinics. Miniature hospitals where millions of pounds change hands each year in the battle against age and fading beauty, and where even the very young can have the most elaborate of operations in the unending quest for glamour and perfection. London and Los Angeles have, over the past 20 years, firmly established themselves as the world's leading cosmetic surgery centres, and each year they attract 
thousands of men and women who are prepared to fight the ageing process, the wrinkles and the bumps, with dollars and Deutschmarks and Saudi Arabian royals. More recently, the Irish punt and the Irish colleen have been taking their place in the queue. Last year, at least a thousand men and women from this country went to London to have such operations and spent perhaps a million pounds on cosmetic surgery. Miss Benson, would you come through, please? Just, just stand there a second. Please take a seat, Miss Denton. I'm just going to see sister in charge. Come along, Miss Denton. Just go through. Now, I don't want you to, at any time, feel that this operation, uh, even at this late stage, should you wish not to have your operation, of course you don't have to. How do you feel? Fine, really. Not too bad. <laughs> Jolly good. Now, the room that you're going to go into is where you have your little anaesthetic. This anaesthetic is designed to relax you and, of course, you will feel no pain. This operation, which is called augmentation of the breast, is performed in this clinic some two to three, in fact, even more times each day of the week. Our sister wants you to lie down. Just lie down. Lie down. Now, Miss Denton's about to undergo an operation of augmentation. This operation is very satisfactory. In the case of women who have underdeveloped breasts, it, is, it involves a small incision underneath the tuck or the fold of the breast and the soft silicone gel bag prosthetus is placed within the breast. At this moment, Miss Denton is having an anesthetic which will numb the whole breast area and she will feel no discomfort throughout the whole of the operation. How do you feel now? You feel okay? Do you feel anything then? No, not at all. This operation has been performed hundreds and hundreds of times in many countries. It originally um, in America was performed in as early as the 1930s. In the 60s, the new type silicone gel band was introduced and prosthetists over the years have improved to a degree that they now have a very soft tissue feeling. The gel bag in this young lady's case is going to be very small. They do of course come in various sizes. Now as you can see she's almost asleep. This is quite normal. Most patients are totally relaxed and feel no fear. Of course she has not received a general anaesthetic. 
Now I'm going to this is the stage where I have to uh, leave the operating theatre. I see that the surgeon in charge, who because of professional reasons is not allowed to participate in this interview, is going to continue with the operation. Yes, you may wonder why people have this done. Um, sometimes I don't know. Uh, there are lots of reasons, I think, probably. Um, uh, I think in the Western uh, Hemisphere, people, uh, women generally, tend to think that uh, to be a cl complete woman that they really need uh, fairly large breasts. Um, I think uh, this um, particularly applies in the States where they're probably sexually immature and uh, the bigger their breasts are, the uh, more sexually attractive they are. Um, and I think this applies in Europe to, to a lesser extent. Um, but a lot of the people that come here have had um, three or four children, and before they had children, their breasts were really very attractive to look at and very attractive to the opposite sex. And when they've been through the rigors of three or four pregnancies, then uh, uh, the ravages of time, I'm afraid, uh, take their effect, and their breasts tend to look uh, sort of rather flat and droopy and uh, they naturally feel disappointed although they're still uh, very attractive women a lot of them in their late 20s and early 30s um, and uh, what they're asking for is to um, to take back the years a little bit um, and there are also other people that um, you know come for all sorts of, of different reasons I mean quite often we get uh, young women coming to see us and uh, wanting their breasts augmented and made larger and in fact it turns out that their marriages are on the rocks and the old man's chasing the dolly birds with uh, the big breasts and the wife feels that if she has big breasts then the whole thing will be put back together again uh, which isn't so of course and I think it's probably unethical to operate on these type of people mm. in that they've got a problem and uh, they want it solved and uh, if you operate on them uh, it and give them uh, fabulous breasts and the operation is very successful it really isn't going to solve their problems, and I think under those circumstances, it's very, you know, unethical to uh, to consider surgery upon them. Um, if one's got a, a, a psychologically adjusted patient, um, most of them are seeking uh, breast augmentation because it's jolly inconvenient for them. They walk into a clothes shop and they buy a dress which fits around the bottom and doesn't fit around the top. Um, they save a lot of money up all year to go on holiday, uh, and they feel that the rest of their body is pretty, uh, pretty good, and they'd like to walk along the beach in a nice bikini, but they're terribly shy because they realize that they've basically got a sort of couple of fried eggs underneath the top half of the bikini, uh, and they don't like this, and for paying so many hundred pounds or whatever it is, I don't know, um, they can have a pretty normal-looking breast. Um, and it, it's uh, partly vanity, partly practicality. Well, when people say things to you, they do at parties or if you're out or it comes up in the office, general conversation about people who have deformities and things wrong with you, people don't realise that the person who actually has this problem thinks about it quite a lot and it does affect them in their normal social life and their ordinary way of getting along with people and they feel they can't go for an interview for jobs that they won't do as well as the next person who's fairly normal and who looks well and I think that it's very worthwhile to have it done and 
just get rid of this big worry to you all the time that you have this on your mind. Oh, my nose is awful. I'll have to get it done now. Make up your mind and go ahead and have it done. A woman can be ill because um, if she's got a flat breast, you know, and, and she can't go anywhere, she can't go bathing, sunbathing, and uh, she's uh, she feels, uh, you know, she, she's out of it. And this can make her ill. She can have a nervous breakdown through it. You see, so it is helping the person, you know, personally as well. This is exactly the same with it, when a man's losing his hair. You know, some men are ill, they've come to me and they're, they're, they're almost ill with worry that they're going to go bald, you know. It's all very well for certain doctors to say, well, nobody ever dies through losing their hair, but it can cause a terrific mental strain on a person, you know. I mean, a lot of people uh, are much plainer than others, you see, and I always say that if a person's not vain, then he's a slut, you know. I mean, everybody has a certain amount of vanity. I mean, you, you're smartly dressed yourself. I mean, so you have a certain amount of vanity. You probably have more vanity than me because you grow a smashing beard. <laughs> you see, so everybody has a certain amount of vanity, you see. So people say, oh, he's so vain, you know. But give me a vain person at any time to a person who's not vain. But um, I think that uh, it's uh, cosmetic surgery is a godsend to so many people. I mean, no longer does a person have to be ugly and after all it's not expensive you know I mean after all you know uh, you a thousand pounds to make a person beautiful for life that's not expensive you know you imagine you change a person's face you might have a terribly ugly nose and a drooping chin and uh, so you imagine it's gonna last you a lifetime people pay you know, three, four, five thousand pounds for a car, which lasts them a few years, you see. And after all, the great, to my way of thinking, the greatest value for money is to spend money on yourself, on your own personal body, the most important thing in the world to you. People don't realise that your body is the most important thing in the world to you. You can't enjoy money or wealth if you haven't got good health. I always remember a man coming to me uh, a few years ago in Harley Street, and uh, he, he came to me in a wheelchair, and this man was um, uh, one of the, the fabulous oil millionaires. And uh, he said to me, Mr. Poutney, he said, I would willingly exchange my wealth for your health. So, uh, no, I think that cosmetic surgery, I mean, it's something that's just come to the fore, and uh, there's no need for people to be ugly nowadays. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter what sort of disfigurement you've got. I met a man the other day, I was in a, a public house, and my friend said to me, he said, Mr. Poutney, come away, come away. So I said, well, what's the matter? He said, well, that man can hear everything we're saying. I said, what do you mean? He said, look at his sound indicators. I mean, his ears, he got elephant's ears. And <laughs> when I looked, I said, gosh, you know. But uh, there, there they were, taking the mickey out of his ears, you see. Well, no longer he could come to us and have those reduced to half the size, you see. So uh, I think this is a marvellous thing. Cosmetic surgery dates to perhaps as early as the ancient Egyptians. Certainly, the Greeks participated in various types of beautification. We're told that Cleopatra, in fact, had a form of cosmetic surgery. Realistically, 
cosmetic surgery came into true being in the 1920s when ladies consulted doctors on ways that they may change their aging looks. In the 40s, late 40s, a German doctor performed a number of operations successfully, rejuvenating women in their 40s. And it really took off from then onwards in a commercial way in the 50s in America. In 1955, some 400 doctors were dispensing new breasts, noses, figures, etc., to some 4,000 patients. Now, London leads as the mecca of cosmetic surgery, and patients throughout the world, including Ireland, come along and undergo all types of the age of patients varies between young girls of 19, 20, 21, requiring breast enlargement, to ladies in their 40s considering rejuvenation of their faces, tightening of loose skin, wrinkles removed, etc. The most popular operation is the rhinoplasty operation nose remodeling, this being applicable to both men and women. Augmentation must be the second most popular operation and I feel sure that other operations such as buttocks and stomach tightening follow in line in third place. Most operations, in fact all operations, are successful. But it must be clear in the patient's mind that a surgeon will change the appearance of the nose if the nose is being operated on. This will not change necessarily the person's face in a whole. In other words, a lady in her 40s wishing to undergo a facelift will not look 20, but she will certainly look years younger, eight years, 10 years in some cases. 
a young woman of 25 wishing to have larger breasts will most definitely have a larger breast. Likewise, a woman with offensive large breasts will most definitely have them reduced. Right, we're, we're away now. Okay, and if you, uh, patient's on the table and probably feeling a little bit apprehensive despite what she said, so if you could be sort of fairly quiet, okay? And if you'd like to come up through into the uh, scrub up room there where we're getting ready. Okay, uh, this yeah. is a, a small room where we've got sinks, uh, all the taps are running ready, and this is all our stocks of brushes and other equipment that we're using. Uh, sister's getting scrubbed up now. Um, uh, she's the first to get scrubbed up because she has to drape the patient and get all the operating table and all the drapes ready before we start. Um, and then there'll be another fifth sister coming in who will uh, then help uh, myself and the other surgeon to scrub up and, and get... Um, ready for the operation. These are sort of standard autoclaves that we use uh, to sterilize all the instruments before we start the operation. Um, and sister has been in here three quarters of an hour ago getting all this ready and getting all the instruments sterilized and all the equipment that we're going to use during the operation. It's, it's nice to be able to get all this information first hand from the surgeon who's going to do the operation. Okay, now all the taps have stopped running. Um, patient's on the table, um, and sister's starting to drape the patient up. Um, the patient's fully conscious during this procedure, and we have a tent uh, over the head of the patient so that uh, although she can hear what's going on, uh, she can't actually uh, see what's going on, which is an important thing. Um, and uh, when she was in uh, the room in the... Uh, in the clinic earlier, she had some injections and some tablets and forms of pre-medication, which uh, makes her feel very at ease um, and fairly comfortable uh, and not apprehensive. And we're going to use some very small amounts of uh, local anesthesia to inject into the base of the breast before we actually start the procedure. And to all intents and purposes, it should be fairly painless. Um, and she may get a sensation that uh, her breasts are being stretched and pulled. Uh, but other than that, uh, she should really feel fairly comfortable. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Bradley, uh, we're going to probably be uh, working away now for about an hour and a quarter. Yeah. And um, I think in fairness to the patient, if you could, uh, leave, yes. if you could all sort of shunt yeah. off out now and uh, leave us in anyway. peace to get on with things. Thank you very much, Doctor. Okay, not at all. Pleasure. And uh, I think we'd better continue our tour around the clinic. I think you'll uh, be quite impressed with what you're going to see. Thank you, dear. That seemed to go all very smoothly. Uh, that was about an hour and 20 minutes. It was probably about sort of five minutes over the odds, but um, uh, no problems at all. Patients sort of feeling fairly comfortable, quite relaxed. Um, it's funny, isn't it? They all sort of seem to feel very relaxed uh, after the operation, and quite often some of the medication that we've given them to relax them beforehand doesn't take full effect until the operation's over, and then you have difficulty uh, waking them up to have a cup of tea and biscuits and things. 
but it's uh, remarkable that you can use so little anesthetic for this procedure and uh, really the patient is uh, really very comfortable throughout and um, I think the next morning uh, feels a lot better from having had it done under local anesthesia rather than um, um, probably operate quite so delicately and they tend to feel as if they've been kicked in the chest by a mule a bit more the next morning. Regardless of how its critics feel, cosmetic surgery is now a worldwide multi-million pounds business and the Pountney Clinic at Hounslow, just 10 minutes or so from London's Heathrow Airport, is at the centre of the gigantic international network which, for a price, can perform some quite spectacular operations to either keep the ageing process at bay or remedy nature's real or imagined deficiencies. Cosmetic beauty doesn't come cheap, but then, as its practitioners argue, it doesn't cost an arm or a limb either. Cosmetic surgery is not terribly expensive, but of course it is. In fact, I see you've just handed me a uh, paper and I'm taking note of the prices. Ears pinned back, protruding, 750 pounds. Uh, brow lifting, 500. That isn't a very popular operation. Very few people undergo brow lifting. The cost of a stomach operation to tighten up sagging and stretch marks well that is stretch marks I've noticed uh, on your article included as surgery in fact being an authority on stretch marks in my own right I would say that stretch marks should not be included in the tightening of the stomach. 1,250 pounds, 1,500 is correct. There are two types of breast operations. Enlargement, most charges, most fees in the region of 950 pounds and reduction mammoplasty between 1,250 and 1,500. There is a notable difference in price. Enlargement involving only one night in our surgical clinic and a local anaesthetic is all that is necessary. The reduction of the breast is a far more intricate operation involving a general anaesthetic and a minimum of four to five or longer in our clinic a stay of this length is required. The operation for reduction is carried out less frequently than breast enlargement. Breast enlargement being, as perhaps mentioned earlier, one of the most popular operations. Men are equally 
coming along to our clinics nowadays. 50% of our patients are men. They mostly seek nose operations or hair transplants. I also have a number of men, patients who have undergone stomach tightening. I recently we had uh, an airline pilot who wanted a facelift. We have also been asked by a number of our male patients whether they can have their penises enlarged. Regrettably, the answer to that question is no. But it is, of course, very satisfactory answer for a doctor to clinically bring to a patient's attention that the endowment of a man's penis has nothing whatsoever to do with his manlyism. There are, of course, departments of cosmetic surgery that are involved in sex changes. Sex changes are the most serious of all operations. And before these operations take place, the patient involved undergoes a number of years treatment with a specialist in this field. The cosmetic surgeon can help in the following ways. A man who has undergone a sex change can in fact receive augmentation. Science has not yet reached the stage where the true penis has been designed to replace the vagina. I consider that most patients listening to this program, or should I say likely patients, are interested in more appearance problems such as noses, facelifts, ears, breasts, stomachs, etc. And these operations are within the pockets of most everyday boys and girls, men and women in this country and in Ireland and I would say in most countries cosmetic surgery is becoming a part of everyday life. We find that patients come from every walk of life and 
doctors, painters and decorators, salesmen, school teachers, all are similar in the subject of cosmetic surgery. I must say it amazes me that so many people go to, uh, so many Irish people go to England to have cosmetic surgery and I must admit that I was not aware of this until a very short time ago. I think there are uh, a few reasons for this. One is that the patients are probably afraid to come to um, their own, uh, to Dublin or Cork because they feel they may be known and secondly they feel that something that's done in London is bound to be better than something is done at home. I think uh, the third reason is that due to some uh, advertising in the popular press by people who call themselves cos consultants in cosmetic uh, surgery that uh, this has given a false image of uh, the profession. To take these things separately I think that uh, the fact of something being better in London than at home is a myth and the training that cosmetic surgeons are getting nowadays is the same if not better than those in London. To get a consultant post in Dublin you've got to or Cork, you've got to train abroad and this is what we have all done. The second thing is that these uh, clinics that are starting off in London I would be very hesitant to recommend anybody to go to them. They are run by uh, people who are interested in making money not interested in uh, surgery and uh, they seem to be the indication for operation there seems to be uh, uh, financially orientated. The other problem about going to London is that if you have a complication later, what happens? Are you going to go back to London to have this thing uh, corrected or what is the procedure? It is very dangerous to operate on somebody, allow them away across the water and have no contact built up because the most probably the most important part of surgery is the follow-up treatment. We have records on each and every patient obviously and last year 275 patients came from Dublin alone and underwent cosmetic surgery at our clinic mostly women undergoing breast surgery one or two young men with fat ears and a number of ladies requiring facelifts and the like. I wasn't aware that so many people did go to Britain and I'm, as I said earlier I was amazed but I think the reason is because of recent advertising and because people have been quoted as saying that cosmetic surgery is not being carried out in Dublin that the plastic surgeons in Dublin but no cosmetic surgeons. Nothing could be farther from the truth because cosmetic surgery is a very big branch of plastic surgery and there are five plastic surgeons in Dublin and two in Cork who are carrying out this type of uh, surgery and have indeed been for the last 20 to 30 years. We do not advertise naturally, we do not uh, put advertisements in the press or radio or whatever, that is frowned on by the medical profession and is frowned on by ourselves. However, most general practitioners and uh, most um, other surgeons and physicians know what we do and indeed we have uh, talks every so often in uh, various places explaining what we do. I think maybe that the general public may be afraid to go to their general practitioners and uh, ask them and I think this is a pity.
because they are the people in the first instance who are going to advise them what they should have done and whether or not it should be good for them. They take, take from there and refer them to whoever they seem fit. We are most definitely planning to come along to Ireland. We will be uh, seeking suitable premises and I'm person I might I, I will be coming I shall be coming along uh, hopefully in the next few weeks to Dublin and um, I will hope that within three months we should make presentations in Dublin. And so the war of words between Dublin and London on the subject of cosmetic surgery would appear to be hotting up, with more than just a hint there that we may soon see the surgical gloves coming off. As we've already said, as many as a thousand people from this country go to London each year for cosmetic surgery, spending perhaps a million pounds on the elusive quest for beauty. The question uppermost in everybody's mind, of course, whether they have their operations here or in Britain, must be just how safe is cosmetic surgery and how serious are the risks involved? There are risks in every operation, but we tend to explain the risks to them in detail. I think it is wrong to, to say that there are too many risks because if that was the case, nobody would ever have an operation. But I think the risks have to be explained to them that there are risks, but that hopefully we would hope to improve them, otherwise we would not contemplate doing the operation. In the case of an operation like a facelift, wh what can go wrong there? A facelift is one of the most difficult operations in plastic surgery. There are several things that can go wrong, mainly from bleeding and from damage to the nerve that supplies the muscles of the face. If this nerve is damaged, well then the result of the operation is disastrous and the one side of the face is paralysed. And is this normally explained to the, to the woman, to the person having a facelift before the operation? This is always, I would insist, always explained to the patient and the risks involved in a facelift operation are probably more serious than any other operation in plastic surgery. This is why we do a when we do a facelift it is imperative to explain to the patient the problems of facial nerve damage. And if you damage the, the facial nerve you talk about, what actually happens to the face? What happens to the face is that one half of the face is paralysed and droops down. And uh, this is a very disfiguring uh, type of uh, deformity. And, and, and how real or how serious are, are those risks? How often, for instance, do you have a failure? When done in the, prom in the proper hands, there is, uh, it is very, very rarely that this type of thing happens. It is something that one dreads. They hope that it won't happen, and uh, it rarely does happen. But at the same time, it still must be explained to the patient that there is the outside possibility. Have you seen an operation like this go wrong? I have seen partial damage to the facial nerve, which recovers. That means that the nerve wasn't cut it was what we would describe as squeezed. The patient did have some temporary facial weakness for some time afterwards, but thankfully this recovered in due course. Do you really think that, that a woman who is contemplating this kind of, of operation as a result of reading an article in a magazine or, or seeing an, advert an advertisement um, realises just how serious uh, an undertaking it is and that it can go wrong? I think it is tragic that somebody would have an operation as a result of reading an advertisement in the paper. These are the sort of things that we try and keep out of surgery and it leads surgery, it gives surgery a bad name. 
I think that as a result of reading some type of advertisement in the paper, one gets the wrong impression. If they are advised by the wrong sort of people, especially what worries me most of all are recent advertisements in the popular press where non-medical people are advertising and advising regarding plastic surgery. I think, or cosmetic surgery. I think this is very wrong, very dangerous, and I would not uh, advise anybody contemplating plastic surgery to contact those advertisements. I would advise them to go th through the proper channels, and I would advise them that the surgery being carried out in Dublin is equal, if not better, than the surgery being carried out in London, as all the plastic surgeons, or all the cosmetic surgeons in Dublin, have trained in England and abroad and that they are members of the British Association of Plastic Surgeons which are affiliated with Europe and America and unless they are and their names are in the in the list then I would not advise anybody to go to those type of either surgeons or clinics. What about the uh, question of breast augmentations for instance? I, is this uh, an operation which has serious risks? Breast augmentations is one of the easier operations in plastic surgery. Technically it is easier than say a facelift or a breast reduction there are certain things that can go wrong with breast augmentation. One may get a small uh, in bit of infection at the time which may cause a rejection or maybe in years later there may some cysts form. But all in all it is a very worthwhile operation and patients are delighted with the result. Do you have any reservations about implanting the, the um, silicone gel bag in the breast? Does it, does it give rise to any complications? I would have no reservations whatsoever. In actual fact, if something does go wrong, it can be removed, which is a simple operation. But I would stress one other important thing, that in, in women who have ca cancer of the breast, they can have the breast removed and the silicone breast prosthesis inserted at the same time. This, I think, is one of the greatest advances in cosmetic surgery in recent years as the trauma of having a mastectomy to a woman, apart from the fact that she has cancer, is um, very worrying. The fact that she can have the breast reconstructed at the same time takes an awful lot of the worry and of course the cosmetic result uh, is very pleasant. What about the woman who simply for cosmetic reasons though wants to increase the size of her breast? Do you um, see any difficulties or any problems there at all? I think a woman that has very small breasts and that is very upset by them, I think she's entitled to have these uh, uh, augmented and I don't see any reason why she should not if they problem is discussed with her if she is if the breasts are genuinely small and if she feels she should have them enlarged I think she's entitled to have it done. And medically or surgically there's no reason why this kind of operation shouldn't be successful? There is no reason why this operation shouldn't be successful. What of your critics who would argue that very highly skilled people like yourself would uh, should rather devote your energy and your talents to something very much more worthwhile rather than simply pandering to the whims and the vanities of people who have money to spend on these kind of what they would just see as, as frivolous operations. They may seem frivolous operations to some people, but they're very important operations to the people themselves. I think, again, I think that we, we stress that we do not do unnecessary operations. We explain to the patient what needs to be done, what, ask them what they feel needs to be done, and of course we reject probably an awful lot of patients when we feel they don't need an operation. But to say that, that unnecessary operations are done, I would not agree with that. We will only do an operation if we feel that it is going to improve the patient's condition and symptoms. If you think that you look terrible, you have a hangy boob and you don't look very nice anymore, next thing you go on holidays to Spain. And lots of gorgeous girls walk around the beach with gorgeous big boots, and your husband turns around and looks at all those those girls, and he never looks at you. I prefer to <laughs> <laughs>